Corey stopped it slightly early. But I think if you, if you haven't seen um, the title yet, the title is Love Is. And when you listen to a Bruno Mars song in church, I, I don't think that happens often. But yeah, it, um, the words actually says a lot. And um, this morning, for those that know the scriptures, the first scripture that's going to jump to mind is 1 Corinthians 13, which talks about love and how love is. But we're not going to do that part today. So, just for, for interest's sake, love is mentioned roughly 700 times in the, in the scriptures, depending on which translation you're reading. And um, it is a, it's a very big topic. And that first song that we, we sang this morning is His Love for Us. And that's exactly what it is. So, if we can have our first slide. I think if I put that slide up, a lot of the congregation immediately recognizes it or something very similar to it. Um, I remember it being on a pillow on my parents' bed many, many, many years ago. And some of them, some of them give a suggestion of what love is. Wanting to give her the moon and the stars. So, that's what that cartoon tells us, what love is. But there were more of those. And some of them didn't have words with them. They were just like that. So it leaves a little something to the imagination as to what love is. And you can think for yourself what love is, and you can fill in the gaps. And I think that's probably one of the biggest problems with the world today, is we don't know what love is. We listen to YouTube, and we watch videos, and our kids learn through the TV and the internet what they think love is. And I know you don't get homework often, but if you do have time today, or make time today, go read 1 Corinthians 13, because it is the guidelines as to what the Scripture tells us what love is. And it can take many forms. And I think if we, if we listen to the song, there are many things that you are prepared to do for love. And I'm sure we can, we can all remember our first love. We can all remember, it may have come at a different age or a different stage of your life for everybody, but I'm, I'm pretty sure most of us had an experience of falling in love during school time. And it's such a, it's such a funny thing that first time when you meet eyes with a person, um, and you see them and you think, oh, you're getting a funny feeling. And um, it's, everything's awkward. You look at them and you hope that they look at you, or you look at them and hope they don't see you, or you, should you go talk to them? Should you get a friend to talk to them? You, you just don't know what to do. And um, you're all confused. You don't know. You're not hungry, but you eat all the time because you want to pass time, and you, you can't wait to see that person again. And it's... it's it's just all confusing. And for those 
that didn't grow up in today's generation, that grew up in a, in a generation where you actually had to write a letter. You couldn't just SMS or WhatsApp. We'll remember going home, sitting at home and thinking, it's late and I want to write that special person a letter. And this is a big deal because now you have to decide what paper are you going to use? Is it white paper? Is it blue paper? Is it pink paper? What is it going to say about me? And you start writing this letter and your grammar is impeccable. Your spelling is perfect. The spacing and the lettering, you cannot write like that in school. In school, your teacher sits there for hours to decipher the hieroglyphics that you wrote in the essay. But that letter is perfect. And then you need to decide. Do you put it in an envelope? Or do you make an envelope? Should you, should you fold the letter so it looks like an envelope, that when you open it, it becomes a letter? And I see my daughters looking at me. Yes, we also did that. So, so it's, it's all these confusing things. And then eventually, you finish the letter, you put it in your school bag, and, and now you try to sleep. Because now you have to know, when are you going to give this letter to that person? Are you going to give it before school, after school, during, during a break time? Do you need to ask one of your friends to go to that person to give them the letter? Or do you ask one of their friends to give them the letter? Or do you ask your friend to ask their friend to go give the letter? It's, it's, just, it's just endless choices and you just don't know what to do. But eventually as you get off the bus... You walk past them and you quickly brush past them and you give them the letter and you get off the bus and then you look on hoping that you can see some sort of an expression as to did they like getting the letter? Did they not like getting the letter? And then you look at the bus drive off and you think, I know, now I have to wait until tomorrow to find out what, (laughs) did they read the letter and is there going to be a letter back? So it's, it's all just so confusing and I think, and this is my opinion, But today, in these days, it's much easier. You get the phone number of the person, you get a friend to ask them, you can message them, you can chat all night, and by tomorrow you know if they like you or don't like you. I'm going to make it easy because that's how I anticipate it to be. Um, But it, it may still be the same scenario. I don't think those feelings have changed, um, and I don't think the anxiety has changed. But that's your first love. And then, Eventually, you move on and you get out of school and you meet that real person that you fall in love with and you get married and you move on and you, and you start a family. And that's when things change. You, I, can, I can remember sitting in hospital with Carla, waiting to go into uh, the theater And you start thinking about all these things. You start thinking about things that your parents did for you. um, The sacrifices they've made for you. The love that they've shown you. And you start experiencing this different kind of love for that unborn child that isn't even there yet. But you start feeling a different love. And I think that's, that's what Bruno is thinking about. It's that unique love that you have for your child when they are born. It's, it's a new love. You love your spouse, you love your parents, 
But it's just a different kind of love when your child is born. So let's, let's put a, a pin in that for a second. And let's talk about the law. Now you think, what does the law have to do with love? And I think we all know the Ten Commandments in Exodus. And if you don't, maybe there's more homework for you. Um, but Jesus made it easier for us. Or did he? Because he, he gave us only two commandments that we need to really follow and abide by. Matthew 22, verse 34 to 40. The greatest commandments. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, if we follow those two commandments, the rest of the law will follow. And it is just love. It's love your God with all your heart and all your mind, and then love your neighbor the same way. And that's all we need to do. Sounds easy, isn't it? I mean, we just found out that love comes easily. You just you didn't even know that you were in love until you saw that person. And there we go. You're in love. John 13, verse 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, it's simple. It's easy. That's the only commandment. Just love your neighbor and love the Lord. And Jesus gave us the example. He showed us what love looks like. John 15, verse 12 and 14, to 14. My commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So, now it's a little bit more difficult it may be easier to follow the Bruno song when it's somebody that you really love, your wife, your child, family or friends. But it gets a little bit more difficult, and that's where we, we stop the song, where it says, but you will not do the same. Because that's where the real challenge comes in, is to love the people you don't know. To love the people that may have hurt you. Luke 10, verse 25 to 37. Well-known scripture, we all know it. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came down to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, banished his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put, sorry, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you any extra, any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man that fell into the robbers, into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So now it's getting a little bit harder because now, now we need to, we need to love everybody. We need to love that person that irritates us. We need to love that person that has offended you accidentally or on purpose. And you even need to love the people that have potentially caused you pain. So it's not that easy to love anymore. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God didn't ask us to be perfect. He didn't ask us to be sinless. He sacrificed himself for us while we were still sinners. And he died for us. And he gave his life while we spat on him. Jesus is commanding us to love each other before that other person loves us. So before you know that somebody else cares for you, um, you need to love them first. That is what the commandment says. 1 John 4, verse 19 to 21. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims God loved God, sorry, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever go, whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he gives us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must love their brother and their sister. You see, it's normally, most of the time, it's easy to love your parents and your brothers and your sisters. As you grow up, it may be more difficult, but eventually you get the hang of it. and You love your brothers and sisters. Um, but 
you need to love your neighbor, the one that plays music until three in the morning. <laughs> Sounds like you've got one of those neighbors. And what about the person that caused an accident and damaged your vehicle? Now you don't have transport. What about the drunk driver that crashed into your car, killing a family member? Can you love that person? That's the commandment. We need to love people, irrespective of what they've done to us. And it's hard. And you may get angry and you may get upset. But at the end of the day, the commandment is you still need to love that person. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit walks that path of healing with you. And for some it may be a long time. For some it will be shorter. But at the end of the day, love is a fruit of the Spirit. And without the Spirit, you can't have love. And without love, you can't have the Spirit in you. So you need to love to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not sure if any of you have ever read the book, The Shack. It is a, it's an interesting read. It's a, it's a bit of a controversial book. But for those that have not read the book, in a nutshell, it's about the main character, Mac, who has a encounter with a trinity over a weekend that he spends at a shack. Um, and I got this, this book as a, as a Christmas year in gift from a colleague of mine. And I want to paint you the picture quickly. So I got this book, got home. I'm, I'm not a big reader. Carla's the reader. She'll read a book over a weekend. For me, it takes four or five hundred weekends to get there. Um, I have a book that I think I started about four years ago. I'm still halfway. I'm not, I'm not that person. So, um, But I started reading this book, and only a few pages into the book, Mac takes his three kids on a camping trip. This is three days before I'm going on a camping trip. And his little girl, Missy, gets kidnapped during the camping trip. This is three days before I go on a camping trip. Larika is three and a half. So I started reading this book very quickly because now I want to know what's, what's going to happen with the story. And um, for those of you that have read the book, I got to a point where I put the book down and I said, true or not true, fictional or not fictional, this is not for me. But because it was a gift from a colleague, I thought, I'm going to finish reading the book and I'll give them my opinion on this book when I get back to work. So I kept on reading the book. Having said all this, I later found out that the book is fictional. So it is a fictional book. But the message is very good in this book. So if you, if you are a reader, read the book. I think the movie's out. You can watch the movie as well. So as the book carries on, this little girl, Missy, is kidnapped and she's gone. And Mac has to deal with this devastation and he goes away to go and spend a weekend at a shack and when he arrives there, he has an encounter with the Trinity. So, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they, they take their own forms to him. And at one stage, I'm not going to spoil the whole book, but I'm going to spoil the book. So, I'm sorry if you're going to read it. 
but it's necessary. So at one stage, Mac is with the Holy Spirit, and he, he starts opening up about what happened to his daughter. And the Holy Spirit says to him, okay, you want that person that kidnapped or killed your daughter to go to hell or to experience pain. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, you be the judge. And he said, yeah, you must go to hell. No, no, no. You're not judging that. You have two remaining kids. You have to decide which one of them is going to heaven and which one's going to hell. He said, I can't do that. I can't decide between my kids. They, they must both go to heaven. How, how do I decide that? And the Holy Spirit said to him, but you were you prepared to be the judge a few minutes ago, so why can't you be the judge now? He said, no, no, those are my kids. He said, but that's what you're asking God to do. You're asking God to make the decision between two of his children. So, as easy as it may sound, you want God to judge, but you don't want to be the judge. So, you have to decide. And there's a bit of a to and fro, and eventually, Max says, leave my kids. Take me. I will go. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He went. He went in our place. God sent him to go in our place. The book carries on, and I, on a little bit of a lighter note, Jesus is with Mac at one stage, spending time with him, and they're in a boat on a lake. And um, Jesus gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. And Mac says, I want to do that too. And of course, he's with Jesus. He gets out and they start walking on the water, they play and they look at the fish, they get back in the boat, and later on they're standing at the dock and it's, it's time for, for Mac to go and spend time with the Father. And... Um, he can walk on water. So he gets off the deck and starts walking. And he sinks. And he looks back at Jesus like, how is this possible? I just walked on the water a few minutes ago. What, what happened? And without him having to ask the question, Jesus replied, you see, some things are easier with Jesus. And that's such a strong message in itself that sometimes we forget that it's easier to go through these things with the Lord than without him. So, Jesus, uh, sorry, so um, Mac now spends time with the Father and they start talking. Oh, I've jumped way ahead. And they start talking and the Father takes him to a cave. And they find the remains of his daughter. So, this is obviously a big deal. For me personally at that time, because I'm going on a camping trip in two days, but they find the remains of his daughter. And now he has to process and deal with this. But he's already had the experience of being the judge. So he was prepared by the Holy Spirit for this event. And as they start wrapping up the body to take it out. God says to him, I want you to forgive the man that did this because he's also my son. I want you to redeem him because I want to redeem him. 
And that's where it gets really hard. Because as much as you love your kids, when they are disobedient, naughty, and do things that you don't like, you still love them. Even if you get angry, even if you get upset, your love for them does not change. And this is how God feels about us. His love doesn't change for us. It doesn't matter what we do. Obviously, we're disappointed when we don't follow him, when we do sinful things, when we are just human beings. But now I want you to think about this. What if you know that by sacrificing your child, you can save everybody else? Would you still want to have your child? How would you feel that day when your child is born, when you know that the only purpose for your child being born to be sacrificed for sinners, for rapists, drug addicts, your child is going to be sacrificed for them. But they are still your kids. So it gets much harder. But this, this is exactly what Jesus did for us. He was sacrificed for us. He was tortured. He was spat on. He was sworn. And he died for the people that was doing that. So, we need to remember God's gift to us. He gave us hope. He gave us love. He gave us eternal life and eternal hope. Our last scripture. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We need only follow this important commandment to love him with all your heart, with, uh, with all your heart, to love each other like he loved us. So as we, as we are on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, the day before we celebrate the birth of our Christ, if there's somebody that you need to forgive, if there's somebody that you need to love or show love to, now is the time to do that. Because he gave his life for us so that we could love each other. And even though we are sinners, and we may feel that our other person has done us wrong. We need to love them, even when they upset us. That was the only commandment, or the biggest commandment, that we need to follow. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your sacrifice. We thank you for loving us first. We thank you for loving us while we are sinners. Father, we pray this morning that you forgive us our trespasses, Father. Father, we pray this morning that you help us to love one another like you have loved us. To show that love to each other the way you loved us. The way you sacrificed your one and only Son so that we may have eternal life and we may know love like no other.
I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.